0: Don't you love singing? Yeah. those great songs? Yeah. I love them. Well, I get the opportunity, as Ryan said, to kind of bring us to a close and to try to wrap a few things together for our week. And part of what, as um, I was thinking about where are we at right now, in our week together, what questions might be on our mind as we sit on a Friday night, the last night of YXL? What are we wondering? What are we thinking as we pass the tissue box? <laughs> this thing is very high. Well, I think the question that we're asking is. Um, What has God taught us this week? Spencer, you've got to wipe your, wipe your face with the box. <laughs> there you go. What has God taught us this week from the book of Hebrews? But not only that, what has God taught us from uh, everything? We've been in his word. We've been hearing from grace talks. We've been praying. We've been singing. Um, we're singing songs that are rooted in scripture. Um, God has been speaking to us. What has he been saying? Well, I wanted to turn us back to the text we started with, which was Hebrews 12, and look at it one last time to say, where, where are we and what, what is God wanting to tell us? And in part, I'm going to share with you tonight a little bit of what God has been teaching me, and hopefully that's a benefit and encouragement to you. Let me read our text again from the book of Hebrews. If you have a Bible, please turn there. Hebrews 12, verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. This is God's word. Would you join me in prayer? Father, thank you for your word. Lord, would it ring true tonight? Would you give me the words to speak, and would you give us hearts to hear? what you would say to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, well, what have we learned from this week? In part, I want to do a, bit of a, a little bit of a review, all right? What have we learned? What does this text say, then, that we've been kind of pulling out? Remember how Ryan said this whole text has, it has this, uh, this the first word in it is therefore? Every time you see a therefore, you should go, What's, what comes before it? That the speaker's trying to go, therefore, therefore what? Well, Ryan's been taking us back. He's been taking us into back into chapter 11. And he's been pointing out all these Old Testament stories of people commended for their faith. We're commanded to endure a race. It's not a sprint. It's an endurance. I don't know about you, when I'm listening to Ryan talk about riding his bike. Listen, I've done, I've done some long rides before. But some of the rides that he's describing... I think I'd just be sick and fall over because it does take that much endurance but if we remember that's what God's calling us to he's calling us to endure so this is actually an imperative which means it's a command you endure and it's also an encouragement you're encouraged to endure but here's one that kind of stuck out to me okay last night we talked about Rahab and she was commended for her faith Okay, did anybody hear the two words in there that said Jesus is the author and perfecter of our faith? Yeah. Author. When an author writes a book, was there anything on the page before he started? No, that's that's the beauty of an author. Author starts with nothing, and he, he brings it out. Christ authors your faith. He authors mine, and he authored Rahab's. And that's part of what Ryan was bringing forward but also i love what this text says because it says that jesus perfects our faith remember how paul actually patrick patrick was talking about in sanctification paul talked about in glorification that jesus actually enables us to to die to sin he sanctifies us he makes us holy Um, And then eventually he glorifies us and makes us completely perfect, completely new. Author and perfecter. Um, If I was saying that the two words that most stuck out to me this week, this is me. I'm listening. You're saying, John, okay, this is my testimony time. What did God teach you at YXL? I would say, in fact, my wife kind of asked me that uh, this morning on the phone. She said, what are you learning up there? Good question what am I learning <laughs> I said well I'll tell you what I'm learning I'll tell you what, what's really standing out to me is that this text says we're supposed to run we're supposed to run a, run a, a race and the way that we run is we look and we look to the author and perfector. and I keep coming back to author and perfector, author and perfecter. What what does that mean Well, so I started looking at it, and if if you turn with me, we'll do a little sword drill. Go to Romans 8. Paul was in Romans 8 earlier. Let me show you something. Romans 8. Romans 8.30 says this, And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. Who's doing the action in this one? God's doing the action. He. He predestined, he called, he justified, he glorified. Jesus starts it. That's what I'm learning. If I'm going to have faith, he gives it to me. But not only that does he give it to me, just like Rahab. He actually perfects it. And Paul, Paul already showed us that in Revelation 21. He, that's the, f- the perfect perfection. We're made completely new. We're on this upward trajectory with Jesus. Ryan's been going, um, has been showing a lot of Old Testament uh, examples. Does anybody remember the uh, Apostle Peter? We've been in the Old Testament so much. Anybody remember Peter? Yeah, Peter was a disciple. Um, and if you if you look at the story of Peter, I just want to use him as an illustration today because Peter. Uh, Peter's pretty rough around the edges. In fact, the first time we meet up with him, he's fishing. And um, and he he just, he kind of jumps at things, right? Jesus says, cast your nets on that side. Peter does. And then all of a sudden he jumps out of the boat and swims to Jesus. And when he gets to the shore, he he says, woe is me. And you look at that and you're like, you're kind of nuts. First of all, what compelled you to jump out of the boat and make that sort of a sort of a move, but you come to, come to look at it, you realize it's because Jesus, just like he revealed himself to Rahab, Jesus reveals himself to Peter, and he calls him, and Peter responds, and he follows him. Um, if you look at the story of Peter, uh, later on, Peter, Peter actually walks on water. Does anybody remember that story? It's crazy. They're in a boat. It's going up and down, it's going, and they see somebody out on the water. And it's Jesus, and Peter goes, is that you? If it's you, call me to come out to you. What does Jesus say? He says, come. So Peter gets out, and he walks on water. Nobody ever does that. Jesus is the only one. Peter gets to walk out on water. Who gave Peter the faith to get out of the boat? Who gave Peter the faith to walk to him? Jesus did. He authored his faith. But not only that, um, he continues to reveal himself to Peter. Later on in Luke uh, 9, Peter actually confesses that Jesus is the Christ. Nobody else had said that yet. Somehow Peter figured it out. How did Peter figure it out? Because God revealed him. Jesus revealed himself to Peter. He said he, he allowed him to see it why am I saying all this well what happens to Peter Peter makes this great proclamation he says Jesus you're you're it you're the Christ The whole Old Testament was pointing toward you I get it I see it and then what happens a few chapters later he denies him publicly three times so Peter falls away he rejects Jesus the same one that he was just told about Um, and yet jesus pursues him and then if you look at the if you look at where peter ends up you look at first peter okay turn your book to first peter this is this is crazy first peter five okay so you got this guy who jesus calls he jumps out of boats you look in other places he actually cuts off guys ears because he's really you know like he's hot-tempered and he does you know He's really not a patient guy. He's not a calm person. He's not somebody you'd, you know, you look at him a lot, and you're like, you're not like Jesus. Why did Jesus pick you anyways? And yet the same Peter who, who denies Christ, when you get to 1 Peter, this is, this is a book that, that he wrote, okay? Read this, 1 Peter 5, 6. Listen to what he ends up writing. He says this, he says, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you. Humble yourselves, therefore. Peter is a radically different guy by the time you get to this point in his life. He is not the same guy back there that he is when he writes this book. Do you guys see where I'm going with all that? What did Jesus do to him? He called him. He authored authored his faith. He gave him faith. And he actually transforms him, he changes him into a really different guy. Is that Peter or is that God doing the work? So I, I use that example because Peter's life is an example of God authoring and perfecting one's faith. Now, was he perfect when he wrote that wrote that letter? No. But if you look at the life of Peter, from somebody who denies Jesus to one who was who was crucified for his faith, that's amazing. Why do I share that story to you when you're tired and it's late and this is the last night of YXL? Why did I do that? Why did I spend time to do that? Because this this is what give, this is hope. This is Peter's hope, and this is our hope. It's my hope. So as you're about to leave YXL, some of you, this is your senior year, and you're about to go to college, okay? There's a lot of, um, I heard it in your voices as you're standing up here. Anxiety, fear of the unknown, I don't know what's going to happen. This, I know what this is like. This is so encouraging to me. I don't, I don't know what's coming. Maybe there's some fear in there, but I don't know who I will be when I get to college. I don't know who I will be when I go back home. Maybe you're like me when I came to YXL. And I came here, okay, uh, 20 years ago. Whoa. <laughs> Seriously. I mean, yay. And... uh I had fears, I had doubts, I had sin. I had sin I wasn't admitting. I still have sin that I don't admit. But this, this is hope. Okay, What this is saying is that God is in the process of making you like him. That he authors your faith and he will not leave you. You will not be overcome when you go back wherever you're going, he is with you, okay? You're in this room right here, and you feel, you feel each other's presence. You feel friendship. Um, and this is a beautiful thing. This, I'm convinced that this is a foretaste of heaven, all right? This is what you're made for because you are the church, And the hope of the gospel rings true in your life and it rings true in mine. And when you leave, that hope goes with you. If you're walking back into a situation and you are uncertain, if you're walking into a situation where you, um, you're walking back and going, Lord, I, I am struggling with this. I need you. There's hope. Let me tell you what, that, what, what this hope does, okay? This hope gives faith. This hope transforms. If we read this, you, you might hear two things. One, run the race, but actually you can't run it. So what do you do? You know what it says you're supposed to do? Look. You look to Jesus. What's the one thing I want you to be able to say when I'm leaving YXL, when I'm going down, what do I take with me from this passage, from this week together? Jesus has paid it all. He's paid for your sin and mine. And because of that, he has the power to conquer sin in your life and change you into a new person. He has the power to conquer your fear, conquer your anxiety. Um, I was thinking about, <laughs> thinking about okay, what, who do I really want to be? I don't know if you asked that question too. Who, who do you want to be? The gospel helps you be somebody that you cannot be on your own. It actually, it helps you, it enables you, it's not even help, it enables you to have good desires, to see yourself rightly, okay? This is a culture that is bombarding you with everything. You need to look this way feel this way, be this way. We have body image. We have porn. We have uh, alcohol and drugs and uh, whatever. And you're in it. You're totally in it. And the gospel is powerful more than anything. And the hope is here is that it's it's not up to you. It is what God has already done. Christ has accomplished it for you. Will you look to him? I was thinking about the, um, uh, this race. Okay, so um, I like to run. I've, kind of been, I've had a knee injury for a little bit, so I've been trying to get back into it. Um, when I read this passage, I don't know if you're like me, I, I read, run the race. I hear that. I ran track, you know, like in high school and college. I hear run, and I think I'm alone. I mean, even the scenario of hearing all the, the people in the stadium, there's this cloud of witnesses that are, that are cheering for you. I still feel like I'm alone on the field. Or alone on the track. I don't know if you feel that way. But I read this and I feel that way. And it says, run the race and look to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. And when I read it, it actually feels like, okay, this is really up to me. And, and Jesus is just kind of like, it's like he's doing this little push right here, and like the fanny push, you know, where you're running I'm running down the track as hard as I can, and I just feel this little push from behind. It's like, okay, that's all I needed. I just needed that to get me down, and that's how I run the race. I just have this, you know, like that. Right, yeah. It's kind of like a yeah, like a car kind of shoving you. The reality is, I don't know if you've heard this story before, but there's, there's a um, it's kind of a famous family um, out there. It's really it's an inspirational story of the Hoyt family you heard of Dick Hoyt? He has a son named Rick. And um, it was floating around uh, online as this video a while ago. And Rick, um, Rick the son, is basically paralyzed. He's got cerebral palsy and some other things. So he's in, a, he's in a wheelchair all the time. But when he was young, his family realized when they would walk by him, like he was actually really sharp inside. He just didn't have the body to actually do anything about it. They would see that his eyes were really following him around the room, and they were, he was tracking with them. And so they, they started engaging him. And it turns out he was, he was learning all kinds of things, and he could communicate. And at one point he said to his dad, he said, Dad, um, you know what I'd really like to do? And again, this is a guy who's just hes immobile. He can't move himself, can't take care of himself. But in here, he was able to be with it. And so he communicated to his dad. He said, Dad, you know what I'd like to do? I'd like to... Um, I want to run a 5K. His Dad said, all right. So they signed him up for a 5K. And his dad put him in the wheelchair. And it was just a regular wheelchair with the wobble wheels in the front. And he pushed him in the 5K. And they were second to last. And and his son said after that, he said, Dad, um, when you pushed me in that wheelchair when we were racing, It was as if I wasn't paralyzed at all. I felt like I was racing. Well, that started for the Hoyt family, um, this incredible story that you should really check out, but of this father who runs these amazing races, pushing his son. In fact, he does triathlons. He tows him in a boat behind him, and he carries him out of the water, and he puts him in this, uh, in this special seat on the front of a bike, right? This triathlon's got three, that's why they call it try, you know. And then he gets he, he and we're talking serious. This is this is you know 150 miles on a bike and 26 miles running, and he's pushing him in the thing, and they cross the finish line. And I've seen I've seen a, a video footage of the end of one of these huge like Ironman triathlons that they do, and the dad is pushing, and this dad is a horse of a man. And he's in his 60s. You, I mean, you've got to be if you're pushing. They've been doing this for, you know, over a decade. And when they're coming up to the, to the finish line, um, this, this Rick, the paralyzed son, he can't. He's got some arm movement. But if you've ever seen it, he is just, like, he's just going crazy. He's loving it. He's in there. And, and somehow he's able to <laughs> wave his arm. And it looks awkward. But you realize he is having profound joy in that chair. And I saw that example. I think about this race that we're called to run. And then I think about all the passages. I think about Peter. I think about the Apostle Paul, what he says. Who's doing the action here? Here's the hope, folks. Jesus isn't giving us a nudge on the track. He's pushing us, towing us, shoving us. And that is hopeful. He is working it out within you. There is no sin in your life that is too big for the gospel. There's Jesus. So what's your takeaway? Well, if you're reading this passage, your takeaway is say, "Well, wh- how do I do this? How do I actually run this race? How do I how do I trust Jesus with my life, with my sin, with my prayers, with my desires? I don't have the right desires. How do I do that?" Well, if we look back at this passage, it says, "Look to Jesus." The author and perfector of your faith. Look at him. I just thought about um, if you are seasick on a boat and you want to feel better, you know you do. You have to look at a, at a at a fixed point on the shore that does not move. That's what they'll tell you. I've been very sick on a sea on a on a boat doing. They said just look out there. If you're lost at sea, where do you look? You look to the North Star. You can see it. It's right up here. Pretty sure Pepke pointed that out to me the other day. Yeah. And then I thought of my, my, my littlest son, okay? When little kids get hurt, they don't know what they're supposed to do. Have you ever noticed this? They can fall over. They're running full speed. They crash into a tree. They go, bam! And then they go, and they're bleeding, and they look at you. <laughs> and what they tell parents is if you freak out, he freaks out. Right? If you're calm, he'll be calm. It depends what you what you look at. And the encouragement and the hope comes from looking to Jesus. To continue to fix your eyes on him. To meditate and understand that he has authored your faith and he will perfect it. This is the promise. It's the promise that Ryan was talking about that extends into the Old Testament with Joseph and Abraham. They were looking forward to the promise. And that forward promise defined their life in the present. So what do I want you to take away? Well, I hope, I hope that you're able to simply look at Jesus. And believe that he has authored your faith, that he will perfect your faith, and he will, he will enable you to run the race before you. We're also going to share, as you go down, a lot of times um, as we're finishing, and this was already said before, but Paul said it, the hope you have here is the hope you have wherever you're going. We're going to share in communion in a little bit. And communion is a celebration and a reminder of the promise that is forever yours in heaven, that has been secured for you in Christ. It is your hope it has been secured. It's the gift. And we share in that. We share in that here, and we share that in your local church. And this is what you're made for. You're made for it here, and you're made for it in your local church. Because you're the body. Christ is able. Look to him. Seek him. Be with him. Amen. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, that you have done it all. Help us, we pray, to look to you as we leave For your sake and your glory, in Jesus' name, amen.